You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 154. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Robin Geigel, who is an attorney and activist that uh, tackles the complexities of gender, race, power, and public perception in her debut novel, By Way of Sorrow. It's a gripping legal thriller with a ripped-from-the-headlines plot and a unique protagonist who, like the author herself, is a transgender attorney. Had a great time talking with Robin about her writing process, uh, her career as an attorney, and uh, tackling uh, complex uh, subjects like gender and race in her writing. Uh, so I had a lot of fun talking to her about that and a whole lot more. So stay tuned for the interview coming up here in just a moment. But first, I want to let you know about a great tool for writers uh, called Pro Writing Aid. I bought a lifetime license a few years ago, and it's been a great asset uh, that helps me uh, end up with a much cleaner manuscript uh, than I could uh, before providing aid, and or just uh, using regular spell check or anything like that. Uh, providing aid is like having a personal writing coach, and you can check it out at thrillingreads.com forward slash PWA, and by using that uh, link, you'll receive a 20% discount on uh, a yearly or a lifetime subscription. Uh, so join me and over a million authors, uh, editors, copywriters, students, and professionals using ProWritingAid to improve their writing. Uh, you can get those details again at thrillingreads.com forward slash PWA, and you'll get that, that 20% discount automatically uh, applied. That code will be automatically applied if you click on that link, and then you'll be supporting the podcast uh, as well. So I thank you for that. Uh, so that's at thrillingreads.com forward slash PWA. All right, here is my interview with Robin Geigel. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Alan with Meet the Thriller Author. And on the podcast today, I have attorney and activist uh, Robin Geigel. Who, uh, welcome to the podcast, Robin. Alan, thank you so much. It's great to be here. You know, I should have asked you beforehand, did I butcher your last name? No. And in fact, you got it absolutely perfectly correct. So I figured you must have had help somewhere along the line. Oh, good. Well, sometimes I'm way off and sometimes I'm on. So I'm, I'm glad I was on there. <laughs> Uh, so can you give a little bit about your background? I, I already mentioned you're an attorney and an activist, but can you tell us a little bit about your background before you started writing thrillers? Sure. Uh, I have been practicing law for 43 years. I do primarily employment, commercial litigation. Uh, I'm with a law firm called Gluck Walrath in Freehold, New Jersey. And I am a transgender woman. So that has informed both my law practice and, and, and now in terms of my writing career uh, by way of sorrow involves a transgender attorney. So uh, I have kind of, you know, taken what's something unique about my life in terms of being an attorney, being out and open as a transgender woman and turned it into um, something that I could write about. Yeah, I think that's so cool because they always say you, you're supposed to... Uh... Uh, write what you know about. And people say, well, I don't know about thrillers and killing and, and all that stuff. But they're like, well, but you can still put your life in there somehow, right? I mean. <laughs> and, and what I always tell people is that the main character in the book, her name is Erin McCabe. And I always tell everybody Erin McCabe is not me. Erin McCabe <laughs> is 35 years old. I'm not 35 years old. Erin McCabe is a very attractive transgender woman. I'm not. But Erin is a transgender attorney who practices criminal defense law. And for many years, up until probably about six or seven years ago, I did a fair amount of criminal defense work. 
And so when you said, write what you know, that is true. I, I am an attorney. I am a transgender woman. And I've done a lot of criminal defense. So that was the perfect marriage of all three things to write a legal thriller. And were you a fan of the genre before you started writing uh, your oh, own books? Oh, yeah. I, I, I've always enjoyed, you know, legal thrillers. At both, you know, and I say I'll, I have always in, enjoyed courtroom dramas, be they legal thrillers or non-fictional um, books about, you know, the courtroom and, and trials and things like that. So, yes, that's something I've always enjoyed. Yeah, I think it's just, uh, so fascinating. The, the, I think that's why true crime is so popular. I, I'm a true crime junkie. So <laughs> there you go. I, because, I mean, you you see it in real life, but then when you see it on television, you read about it all the time. And so, yeah, and it's something that we we all feel we know something about just by osmosis. We've you know acquired whether you law and order or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all kind of had those experiences. They've seen those experiences. And, and then to read about true crime and, and what really happens, it's, it can be fascinating. What are some of the authors that you, that influenced you as a writer later on? Uh, I mean, certainly I would say Scott Turow in terms of the, the basic legal thriller. I, I, when I read Presumed Innocent, when it came out uh, probably 30 years ago now, uh, it's been out, mm-hmm. I think, in the 80s. That was the book that just grabbed me in terms of what a legal thriller could do. Uh, more recently, uh, you know, I can't think of anybody offhand that has influenced me in terms of legal thrillers. Uh, certainly, there's a lot of people that I that I admire who you know write in the crime genre, but not necessarily legal thrillers. You know, certainly Walter Mosley. Uh, is somebody that I really respect. Um, Cheryl Head, who who is another uh, woman of color, has a, a great series going. So there's there's a lot of people that I really admire and enjoy their writing, but they're not necessarily writing legal thrillers. And so, by way of sorrow, that's your debut novel, right? Uh, it is. Yeah. It, it's. In the sense that it's the first novel that's been published. I finished another manuscript, uh, but that book was never published. And, and when I look back on it, I say, fortunately, it was never published. Yeah, we all have those, don't we? Yes. <laughs> and so uh, is this is it a standalone? Is it going to be part of a series? Uh, no. It, it, well, the answer, I said, no, it's, it's, it's not a standalone. It is part of a series. Uh, when uh, Kensington uh, acquired it, my my editor John Scamilio, uh was kind enough to sign me to a two book deal. So nice. there will be a a part, not part two, but a a, a second Aaron McCabe thriller. And you know, depending on how By Way of Sorrow does, and the second book is called Survivor's Guilt, that comes out on January twenty fifth of twenty twenty two. Depending on how they do, you know how it works. If 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 they flop, that's the end of the series. But if if people like them, um, I'd be happy to continue to to write, um, you know, Aaron McCabe thrillers for for a while. And what was your your journey like then? From like you first got the idea for the for the book, you just you started writing it to finding to finding an agent. I'm assuming and publishing. And how was that like? In my case, I was fortunate enough, as I said, I finished a manuscript before By Way of Sorrow, 
And that's when I got my agent and she was shopping that book around. And as she was doing that, I was doing a lot of reading and, and, and trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do next? And I happened to reread To Kill a Mockingbird. And I know To Kill a Mockingbird is not a legal thriller, and I'm not comparing my book to To Kill a Mockingbird. But what was fascinating, and and it had been decades since I had read To Kill a Mockingbird, what was fascinating to me was how much of that story is about the trial of Tom Robinson. And so in many sense, in many ways, it has that classic legal thriller element to it. But was what as I was reading it, I was frustrated by the fact that we never get Tom's point of view because everything is told from Scout's point of view. And I was wondering what's going through Tom's mind. Here he is, a black man in the 1930s in Mississippi, accused of sexually assaulting a white woman, what was Tom thinking? And so as I was thinking about that, that was kind of the genesis of of me starting by way of sorrow. And, And I started with the character who is accused of the crime. Her name is Charisse, and she's a transgender woman of color who also happens to be a sex worker, and she's accused of murder. And as I started to kind of think about it and plot it out, I said to myself, you know, I, while Sharice is integral to the story, I can't tell the story from her point of view because that's not my lived experience. She's a woman of color. She's, she's had a much different lived experience than, than I have. And so that kind of then brought me to Erin, who is Sharice's lawyer, who I felt more comfortable centering the book around because it's, again, more of my lived experience. And so how much uh, research did you put into it um, to prepare for that? And, uh, so number one, I, I do know a lot of, of transgender people in terms of my activism and, and other things that I do. So as I was doing it, I shared the story with, obviously some friends and some people I knew who dealt a lot with, with trans women of color and said, you know, I really want your help, your input, your feedback on whether I'm getting this right, because I want this story to be authentic from their standpoint too, or from Sharice's standpoint. And so, you know, I made sure that I was, uh, I was talking to people and, and, and it's not it's just in Sharice's case, um, Aaron's partner is an African-American male. So I was bouncing it off again, friends of mine who are, are black male attorneys and saying, you know, do I have this character right? Is it, is it authentic? And I think all of us, you know, I can't just write a story that's inhabited by <laughs> 60 something year old trans characters. I, I have to, you know, you want a diverse character base. And we all have to put in the work to make sure that our characters are authentic, even if they're they're coming from places that that we don't necessarily know from our own experiences. And what's the balance for you, especially being an attorney, with um, of yes, you know, you, you, you we want the courtroom stuff, but then you don't want too much courtroom stuff. <laughs> How does that work? It's funny that. When I started it, it was going to be a pure courtroom drama because, as I said earlier, that's something that I've always been drawn to. But as I started to write the story, it became less about what was taking place in the courtroom and more about 
number one, the characters, but number two, uh, the central question to the book is, was it murder? Was it self-defense? And so the investigation that Charisse, I, I mean, that Erin and um, her partner, Dwayne, are putting in to try to prepare if they do have to go to trial. So it turned out, yes, there's courtroom scenes and, and yes, there's some courtroom drama, but it turned out not to be the courtroom legal thriller that I, I originally envisioned. And what's your process like? Do you uh, outline or do you like right by the, from the seat of your pants? <laughs> I've had both experiences. I will say that by way of sorrow was much more fly by the seat of the pants. It was a, a an idea that came to me and I just was able to really see it almost as, as a whole right from the start. As I said, it evolved over time. All books do as you 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 know, you start to write it. And and what I had seen as a courtroom drama kind of involved evolved into something else. But it was very much fly by the seat of your pants. Now, I said that when when my editor signed me, it was a two book deal. Of course, before they they want you to, to you know, start writing your, your second book, they want to see an outline of it. And so for Survivor's Guilt, it was definitely more of an outline where I set and, and mapped it out in advance. And of course, as again, as you start to write it, things change a little bit. But I've had both experiences. Um, and I, I think I tend to be a seat of the pants writer. But then as I started to think a little bit more about, okay, if there's an Aaron McKay book three, you know, what would it be like? I find myself mapping it out a lot more than I thought I would. Well, so that's interesting. So you already had the first ma uh, manuscript ready and then based the, you still had to do the outline for the second one? Yes. As, as by way of sorrow was going through the editing process, oh, okay. the, you know, the, the line edits and then the page yeah. proofs and everything else, as that was happening, I was starting to work on, on survivor skills. Oh. And how was that process like working with editors and all that, the whole process? Uh, <laughs> I, I am very fortunate. Number one, John is just a wonderful man to work with and, and has been really helpful to me throughout the, the the line editors that I've had at Kensington make me appreciate how much I know about the use of the English language. Uh, <laughs> they've been wonderful. Uh, so for me, the experience ha has been great. Uh, and I also, with both books, before I submitted them, uh, I used uh, uh, an independent um, editor, a woman by the name of Andrea Robinson, who, you know, she kind of, you know, went through them um, in terms of, you know, are there plot holes? And and I won't say she did a line edit, but she she did a lot more than just reviewing the manuscript. She really helped me out with a lot. So I, I owe a lot to Andrea too. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. I'm doing that now with uh, one that I'm going to be shopping out later on. Uh, when I'm finished with the manuscript, I'm actually going to hire somebody to line editor to go through it before sending out to agents just to make sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, uh, I can't say enough good things about Andrea. I mean, she was very helpful to me uh, in terms of, you know, grammar and, and, and line edits and things like that, but also just in terms of finding those holes in the plot that you don't always see and saying, you know, you said this here, but yeah. then you say this here. Uh, so she was fabulous. And, and, you know, at least for me, it helped a lot. Yeah. Isn't that amazing how we're so into the, our story that 
when they point it out, then you see it. But at first, it's just like goes right over. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, this is crazy. And what do you use to write? Do you use like a Word or like some other software program? No, I, I am old fashioned. I just use Word. Uh, peck away at my laptop. Uh, you know, uh, I, I watch. Uh, my son also happens to be uh, an author, a published author. He wrote a book called The Ferryman Institute, and and he used to write on his on his phone <laughs> as, as he was, you know, taking the 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 path into New York from New Jersey. And I don't know how he did it, but uh, you know, I, I'm still very much a hunt and, and peck type of typer. Um, yeah, I so. see the I see people on the phones too. I I haven't mastered that uh, either. <laughs> we were dating ourselves, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is a generational thing. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I was wondering too now with this crazy year that we've had with the pandemic, did that change your process at all, or your writing style, or or your system? I don't know how other authors feel about it, but for me, I I don't want to say the pandemic w- was you know made life easier because obviously it's been devastating to a lot of people and I don't want to make light of it. But for someone who's a bit of an introvert and, you know, I, I find joy in writing. It's to me, writing is not work. My work is being a lawyer. When I come home and, you know, maybe I'll go for a short jog and and have dinner, you know, I'm thinking about what I'm going to write when I'm, I'm jogging. And then I come home and I, and I get on my, my laptop and I start writing to me, that's fun. And so the pandemic kind of gave me an excuse to just say, well, I can't go out, so mm-hmm. let me write. And, you know, in a bizarre way, obviously, you know, I think that, that we've all experienced different traumas in terms of, of things that we couldn't do. And, and obviously, a lot of people had some losses that were horrendous. But from a writer standpoint, it, the isolation was not necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. And how are you planning to uh, ask this to my guest now? How 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 are you planning to address the pandemic? Are you going to address it in future books? Are you going to ignore it? Fortunately for me, uh, by way of sorrow was set in two thousand and six and two thousand and seven, and survivor's guilt is two thousand seven two thousand and eight. So if there should be an Aaron McCabe book three or book four, it would still be you know a decade before we we fell into the pandemic. So. You know, for me as a writer, I, I don't have to address it. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice out. <laughs> and, and it's funny because you know I, I said it in, in 2006, 2007 for a couple reasons. Number one, I, I didn't want anybody to think that I was writing about them because there's lawyers and judges and and politicians and and I didn't want anybody to think, oh, you're writing about so and so. I wasn't. I made them all up. But the other thing was, when I started it, um, President Obama was was president. And so it looked in terms of transgender issues like we were going in the right direction. And I was as I was writing it, I was like, oh, you know, maybe nobody's going to think that these problems are real when this gets published, if it ever gets published. So let me set it back in a time when people were less familiar with transgender issues. Of course, I couldn't predict the history that we would have, you know, in, in terms of the election and then all the things that have gone on over the last four years and, and the last six months in particular in terms of transgender issues and, and people trying to pass bills 
attacking trans kids and transgender healthcare. Um, so in that sense, even though I said it in a time that I thought was going to be, you know, people could say, okay, 2006, 2007, people really didn't know that much about transgender issues. That's why they're not friendly. We can fast forward to 2021 and say, yeah, they're still not friendly to transgender issues. Yeah, I think that's people don't understand that, right? I mean, there's a lot of uh, uh, violence against transgender people. I mean, it's just, uh, I, I, I can't remember the stats, but it was like mind-boggling to see the stats. Uh, yeah, no, and, and unfortunately, every year uh, on November 20th, the, the transgender community holds a Transgender Day of Remembrance where we, we remember all, all the trans people throughout the world who have been murdered just because they're transgender. And I... I can't give you the number right off the top of my head, but uh, it's, it's last year it was 230 or 250. Um, and so it's, it's just horrendous. Yeah. yeah. That's just crazy. Yeah. And so what's, uh, what's next for you? You say you have those, your, the second book is coming out in January. Are you, are you working on the third one? Are you waiting? What, what are you working on now? <laughs> well, as, as we speak, I'm kind of plotting out book three uh, in the hopes that book one and book two will do well enough that somebody says, yes, we want a book three. Uh, obviously, if if books one and book two don't do well, then, you know, who knows if there'll be a book three. But I have something in mind. I am plotting it out. And, you know, I, I will sit down at the typewriter at some point or the laptop at some <laughs> point and, and actually start putting uh, some words on a, on a page. Probably in a month or so. All right. And then I always ask uh, my guests because I have aspiring writers that listen to this, uh, any advice for an aspiring writer that's listening to us? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I started to write my first novel. I was 30 years old, maybe 28 years old. It was about 40 years ago. I never finished it. I mean, you know, this was before I was out as a trans woman. Um, I had a new legal career. Three kids came along, the, the life of, uh, you know, of a parent, of, of uh, a lawyer with a busy practice. So that book never got finished. And then, as I, I mentioned earlier, after I had come out and transitioned, I, I wrote a, a manuscript, finished it. It was, you know, shopped around. It, it didn't sell. And here I am at 68 with a debut novel. And so I think what I'd say to most people is, number one, if you have the dream to do it, don't ever give up on that dream. Uh, I had that dream 40 years ago. It, it finally came true. I would, you know, having gone through the process of looking for an agent and, and getting all those rejections that we most of us do and then shopping a novel around and getting those rejections because it never got picked up. I would say to people, don't look at those things as failures. The fact that you know, you if you've completed a, a manuscript or if you've gotten an agent, that in and of itself is a success. And so, don't get discouraged. Don't take don't take those rejections as failures. Take them as learning experiences because all of us, and you know, I, I think every writer will acknowledge you can always do better. You know, than you what you've done before, and and those experiences help you to do better. Hopefully, you learn from each experience and it, it makes you a better writer as you go forward yeah that's good advice and so where can the, the uh, where can people find you what's your website uh robin i'm on instagram at robin geigel 
I am not on Facebook. I think I'm on the only living <laughs> living human being in the United States that's not on Facebook, but I'm not. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn, you know, Robin Geigel. Um, so that's primarily it. But certainly the website is robingeigel.com and uh, on Twitter. Okay. All right, Robin. Well, thank you so much. Uh, so your uh, the book is out now uh, by way of sorrow. So yes. people should go check that out. Please. And yeah. So yeah. It, especially if you want to see a book three, you got to. Yeah. Gotta come on. We gotta, gotta, yeah. Got to <laughs> do your part. <laughs> come on people. <laughs> All right, Robin. Thank you so much for talking to us. Alan, thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of meet the thriller author. If you have a moment, please do check out thrillingreads.com forward slash links, where you'll be able to rate and review this podcast. Or simply rate this podcast wherever it is that you're listening to it, uh, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Audible, Amazon Music, uh, whichever podcast app you prefer. Uh, please take a moment to rate this uh, podcast. It's the best way to help other fans of uh, mystery and thriller books to find the uh, podcast. And uh, it helps me get the word out. And so it's the best way to support the podcast. So I do appreciate that. And if you're interested, you can join my Thrilling Reads mailing list. You'll find the uh, sign-up form at thrillingreads.com forward slash links. Once you subscribe for free, you'll be notified about discounts and deals on great books in the mystery, thriller, and crime fiction genres. You'll also find my social media links and my author website over at thrillingreads.com forward slash links. So check it out and say hi. All right, take care and stay safe until we meet again on the next episode of Meet the Thriller Author.